There's a, a young man who just graduates from college and he's kind of brash, kind of full of himself, very confident. He's in his first job interview and the, toward the end of the interview, the guy says, so what kind of salary would you like? And the guy being very confident says, I'd like $175,000 a year, depending on the benefits. And the interviewer says, okay, well, how about this benefit package? How about five weeks vacation, 14 paid holidays, medical and dental, company matching retirement funds, and a company car? And the young man goes, man, are you kidding? And the interviewer goes, you started it. <laughs> We're in week two of this three-week series called Dealing with Destructive People. And today we'll talk about dealing with destructive people at work. Now, I realize that some of you during the week don't find yourself in a workplace condition. But all the principles that we'll talk about today are great for at work, but are great for dealing with destructive people anywhere. Let's start in the Old Testament in Genesis 39. This takes us back to Old Testament Joseph. And you might recall his story. I'll share a little bit more about it a little bit later. It, it says, now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in the eyes, uh, in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything that he owned. From that time, uh, he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned. Uh, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was over everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. May God bless the reading of God's holy word this morning. Let's come together in prayer. Lord, life can be difficult. And one of the problems many of us deal with are destructive co-workers. Help us to learn to deal with them today. Speak to us clearly from your word. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. My Lord, my rock, and my redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray, and together we all say, amen. Number one for us today is destructive co-workers do not determine your value. People who are hurtful, people who speak negatively about you don't determine your value. Do not, do not lose sight of who you are because of negative co-workers. I know there can be negative talk and degrading communication. There can be insulting gossip and hurtful babble, troubling chatter. So perhaps there's name calling. Perhaps lies are being told or there's murmuring going on. Don't let it determine your value. Instead, let your value be determined by God himself. Who says this about you? See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called what? Children of God. And that is what we are. Exclamation point. We are children of God. I don't know how many of you are familiar with the PBS television show. And oh, I had that up there. There, I just read it. Uh, are you familiar with the PBS TV show, Antiques Roadshow? Uh, we watch it at our house sometimes. It's kind of fun. People bring in their stuff to experts. And they determine what its value is. And Kay and I like to guess what something will be uh, valued at. And we're always surprised. I see a, you know, a sculpture, a piece of art. I'm sure it's worth thousands of dollars. And it's worth you know, 250 bucks or something different. There was a piece of paper with um, a note written on it and a signature. And it was worth about $10,000. It was written by George Washington during the Revolutionary War, some commands and his signature. And I thought, how interesting, $10,000, piece of paper with some stuff written out on it. I could take a piece of paper and write something on it and sign it. It would be worthless. So why are these two exact same things of different value? Because of what someone will pay for it. No one's going to give a penny for my piece of paper, but someone will pay $10,000 for a piece of paper with George Washington's handwriting and his signature on it. 
Your value is determined by what someone will pay for you. So what is your value? What did someone pay for you? 1 Peter 1.18, for you know that it was not with perishable things like silver or gold that you were bought back, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. What did God pay to get you back? The precious blood of his son, Christ. You are so valuable to God that he didn't send a, a shipload of gold or silver or any other kind of thing. He literally gave the life of his child to buy you back from darkness. That is your value. Number two, destructive co-workers do not have authority over your attitude. They can affect your attitude, but you ought not let them. They don't have authority over your attitude. What's your attitude at work like? Philippians 2, 14 and 15, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Dealing with nutty people at work is hard. I know there was two guys at work and they were having a bet. And one said, I can, I can show you that uh, the boss will send me home with pay today. And the other one says, no way. So they see the boss coming on the corridor and the guy hooks his knees uh, onto a pipe hanging from the ceiling. He's hanging upside down. And the boss comes, got, comes by and says, what's going on? And the guy says, I'm a light bulb. And the, the boss says, well, clearly you need a, a day to get it together. Why don't you go home? And he unhooks his knees and is walking away. And the other guy's following him. And the boss says, where are you going? And the guy says, I can't work in the dark. <laughs> don't let nutty, destructive people at work affect your attitude. Instead, be so filled with Christ that he affects your attitude. Be so filled with Christ that he is the one who affects your attitude. They called it rapid, unscheduled disassembly. Did you see it in the news about nine days ago? The largest, most sophisticated rocket ever launched, rapidly disassembled. That's what they said. 24 miles into the atmosphere, blowing up less than four minutes after launch. It was part of Elon Musk's SpaceX Corporation. They eventually want to go to Mars. The explosion cost $112 million. But after that destructive event, Elon Musk tweets... Congrats, SpaceX team, on an exciting test launch of Starship. Learned a lot for next test launch in a few months. Now talk about the epitome of destruction. I mean, the thing destroyed, it blew up. But Elon Musk writes this positive communication afterwards. Why did he do that? I think because he saw the big picture. He knows this was tough. It was a failure. It was destruction, but it would lead to future success. And I wonder if we can see that in the destructive coworkers that we deal with. It's hard. It's awful. Work is hard, but maybe it's leading and shaping your character into future success. What they're doing is wrong. No, make no mistake about it. And we need to take steps to protect ourselves, to deal with it, sometimes even to get away with it. But big picture. How is God growing you through this experience that you're learning to deal with difficult people? Number three, destructive co-workers cannot, maybe I should have wrote, don't have to have an effect on the quality of your work. They shouldn't affect the quality of your work. Let your work remain excellent. Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. Look, as working for the Lord and not for human masters. In your workplace, certainly you have bosses and supervisors, but really you're working for God. How would you do it if you were working for him? Well, you are. So don't let destructive people in the workplace affect the quality of your work. Old Testament Joseph, we talked about him at the beginning. Let's talk about him a little more. Talk about a guy that's in the midst of destructive people. His brothers take him captive and 
they fake his death. They dig a deep hole in the ground and put, in, put him in it. That's pretty horrible already. When they see slave traders coming, they pull him out of the pit and they sell him, their brother, into slavery to the Ishmaelites who eventually take him to Egypt and sell him again. And as we read in Genesis 39, the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him, the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything that he owned. From that time on, he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned. The Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left, what he ha- left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food that he ate. When you're dealing with destructive people at work anywhere, honor God. Potiphar, if you know the story, goes on to be a horrible co-worker boss to Joseph, but Joseph continues to work with excellence and God has his favor on him and blesses his work and shows him his favor. Continue to be excellent quality people in your workplace despite those around you. Philippians 1.27, whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. A couple points that are coming up here that are probably a bit challenging, but let's talk about them. Remember that God has you in this situation for a reason. It didn't just happen that you're in this hard place with mean people around you, destructive people. God has you in this situation for a reason. I think that reason is that you can show the light of Christ to people who are obviously hurting. Matthew 5, 16, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. If you know anything about the story of Sabina and Richard Wormbrand, it's, it's really amazing. They were Jews in Romania in the 1930s, Jesus, and became Christians. He became a Lutheran pastor. If you know their story, they're on fire to share the love of God with everybody. He wrote a book called Tortured for Christ. It became a movie hard to watch, but if you're up for it, I would, I would put it to you. They made another movie about Sabina, the wife, called Sabina, uh, Tortured for Christ. Um, in, in one of the scenes uh, from that second movie about Sabina's life, true story really happened. Because she is of a Jewish heritage, her entire extended family had been killed in the Holocaust. And so by God's providence, believe it or not, the man who probably did the actual killing of her family is now in their apartment. She's asleep in the next room. Richard is talking to this guy, trying to show the love of God to him. And and the guy says, there is no God. And Richard said, let's do an experiment. My wife is sleeping in the room next door. You probably killed her entire family. I'll go and wake her up and tell her the man that killed her family is here. She will get up and honor you and make you the best meal you've ever had. The guy says, I don't believe it. Richard Wormbrand goes next door and wakes up his wife and says, the man who probably killed your entire family is right next door. She sits up and contemplates just for a moment and gets up and puts on her robe and walks over to the man and embraces him. And she said, the heart of the gospel is forgiveness. Christ forgave me. He can forgive you. Now this murderer, eyes full of tears, full of regret, repeats, what have I done? What have I done? And this woman, Sabina Wormbrandt, follower of Jesus, facing the murder of her entire family, then embraces him with a kiss. 
and the repentance that falls upon this man by the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you follow the movie, if you follow the story, eventually this man becomes a follower of Jesus. I know this isn't a scene about destructive people in the workplace, but I think it's a powerful, overwhelming, true story of God having us in certain situations for specific holy purposes. Maybe that's your call among the people who are destructive, to love them, to show them forgiveness, to show them God. Saul is an evil man. He is the killer of Christians. He has in hand, his hand in a lot of their destruction. But one day on, on the road to Emmaus, Jesus knocks him down and takes his sight. And Jesus says to Saul, I'm sending you to them. Who's the them? A bunch of destructive people, a bunch of people who are a mess. Saul, I'm sending you to them to do what? To open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that you may receive forgiveness of, uh, so they may receive the forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are being sanctified by faith in me. Saul, who, uh, whose name becomes Paul, you're aware, is now being sent to destructive people to tell them about God. One of the ways we can live out this um, being a light before destructive people is to pray for destructive coworkers. Laura talked about that a second ago. I wonder how you are with that. Are there destructive people in your life? Do you pray for them? Romans 10, 1, the same man, same man Paul now writes, brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and my prayer, I'm praying for this to God, is for the Israelites that they may be saved. Now, this isn't coworkers, but some people who don't know Jesus yet. My, my, my desire and my prayer, I'm praying for them. I wonder how you're doing with this idea of praying for people who are destructive toward you. I'm going to spend a, a minute here leading you in guided, guided prayer. Kate's going to play some pretty music on the keyboard as we pray. I'll give you what to pray for. So prepare your hearts and mind. We're going to do a little praying here. Just in your place, guided prayer, some different topics to pray about. Let's spend a few minutes doing that. Um, first of all, I'd like you to pray for yourself. I'd like you to confess unforgiveness or thoughts of revenge or hateful emotions. Would you pray that, please? pray for destructive people in your life? Would you ask God to orchestrate events in their lives that will bring them to God? Would you pray that? Pray that they would discover their great need for God. pray for their blessing. Would you ask God to be with their families and their health, their provision? Would you ask God to fill them with joy? Would you ask God to bring them peace? 
ask God to give you strength to deal with their destructive behavior. Finally, ask God to give you an opportunity to share his love of, of them. Jesus' name, amen. How'd you do with that? All right, let's end here. Let's ask ourselves another tough question. Is this sermon series really about me? <laughs> big drap, dra uh, big dealing with destructive people. On the, is, this, is it actually about me? It's important to learn about destructive people in our lives and how to bless them and deal with it, but it's also important for us to see our sin in our lives. Let me take you to Luke 18. To some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, a guy who was holy. He was a religious guy. He really didn't ever do anything wrong. The other was a tax collector. This guy's a criminal. He's a thief. He cheats his own people. Well, the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector, the criminal, stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus concludes by saying, I tell you that this man, the tax collector, rather than the other, the Pharisee, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Oftentimes, we see the offense in others, and we fail to see it in ourselves. Last week, as Pastor Zardi was uh, inter introducing us to the sermon series, the, the beginning of the sermon, you remember, was a long list of um, attributes of destructive people. Some of them read like this, people who are legalists or hypocrites, those who find guilt in others or have a critical spirit, people who ridicule or are envious, greedy, or bitter. And I wonder who you were thinking about specifically when he was reading that list, because I was thinking about me. I have that in me. Do you, do you see that in you? Now, I'm not a destructive person, I don't think. I don't think I need to be confronted uh, in the way I treat people. But, man, I see that in me. Do you see that in you? So I wonder if we can see that sin in ourselves. We had a laugh last week. We reviewed the videos on how the services go to see how we can get better. And right when we ask everyone to stand up and shake each other's hands, this came on the screen. <laughs> Here, greet somebody. Oh, nice, nice to meet you. I, I, I think we have that. I know we have that in us because the Bible tells us clearly our Christian life can become one of Lord, as long as I'm not one of those people. Thanks for not making me like one of those filthy, dirty sinners. Thanks for making me righteous. Instead of having a broken heart, like the tax collector saying, I'm a mess. Forgive me, Lord, have mercy on me. Jesus says, that's the one who was made right by God that day. So if you find yourself that way, confess and repent like we did at the beginning part of the service and be sure on the authority of God's word that you are forgiven 
100% cleaned by what Jesus has done for you. Number one in your next steps as we wrap up this morning, know that your value and your identity are determined by the Father. And your value is determined by what he paid for you. He gave his son, his child, to buy you back. Secondly, ask for God to help you pray for destructive people at work. Maybe you had a lot of trouble during our prayer time and you just couldn't do it. They're such jerks. They're so mean to me. I'm not praying for them. Okay. But would you at least pray about praying for them? God, you you saw me Sunday morning. I couldn't pray for them. But would you move on my heart to help me to be able to pray for them? Number three, remember that we can all have destructive tendencies. So confess and repent and receive forgiveness. Would you pray with me? Lord, your word says in Jeremiah 17, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. And maybe many of us see this in our workplace. So help us deal with these people in a way that honors you and works toward their redemption. Help us, Lord. We need help here. We pray this in Jesus' name. And together we all say, amen.